0: Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Purpose Map Podcast. This is Casey Bergland, your host and the founder of Worthy and Well. And today on the pod, we have a returning guest. Jeannie Gianti is the founder of Alchemy School of Yoga, a dear, dear friend of mine. And she came to visit me from Ireland to Barcelona for 36 hours. And we just had a magical, magical time. And that time kicked off with me making an epic charcuterie board and us sitting at the table and turning on the mic and seeing what wanted to come through in our opening connection, really. And there's a lot here. I find that sometimes the most meaningful podcast episodes are the ones where there is simply an authentic conversation with someone I love. So in this episode, you'll hear about relationships and attachment styles, woke culture, trigger warnings, black and white thinking, yoga narcissists, the spirituality of death. And we each share a little bit more about what it was like for each of us to lose a parent. Now, of course, you've been hearing an undertone in some of these episodes where the concept of grief comes in or I share a little bit more about losing my dad. And I'm coming to feel like this isn't just important for those of us who have lost a parent. This is important for those of us who want to live. So if you're listening to this and you don't resonate with um, our stories like around death and loss, Still listen in because there's so many illuminating bits of wisdom that come about like life and living and sucking the juice out of the present moment as we share more about how loss has changed each of us. We are eating quite a lot in this episode. So there will be a few little like munchy sounds, uh, mostly at the beginning. And I just love that a thing that Jeannie and I connect on is our deep, deep love of food. Our 36 hours was rich with charcuterie, tapas, brunch, snacks, dessert, coffee, tea, all the goodness. So if you're a foodie like us, welcome to the club. Anyway, I'll let you tune into the episode and check in with you at the end. That's some melty cheese, all right. That is some melty cheese. Thank Pop you. I don't sleep. know where to start. Oh, wow It looks like you're about to pray. Oh, no, I was just like, oh, where am I going to start? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Should just we a... chant the mantra? <laughs> yeah. I don't... Do I remember it? Oh,
1: God, I've said it so many times now. Go on. See if you can do it. Okay. Sometimes okay. nice, I think it just comes back to you, I betcha. Okay, close your eyes. Yes. <laughs> it's completely gone don't worry gonna... like give you the first word that's only because i just wait there. you know it yeah because i'm, I'm... leave me i don't remember oh, okay. i thought you wanted to like test yourself
0: <laughs> well i did but nothing came to me i basically what came to me was the akanda mantra oh yeah yeah but it's a different one you haven't been back
1: since nineteen, have you
0: no, no not since we last saw each other oh, That's not
1: it's brahma umbrella brahma oh yeah, yeah. Om Brahma, no, Brahma, Brahmanaputam Brahma, no, Brahma, Brahma no, oh. nah Shanti, Shanti.
0: Shanti. It does
1: something to the food, I think. Yeah. Thank you for putting this Mm -hmm. together.
0: Could you imagine a full podcast of just like chewing? ASMR. (laughs) What is that? AMDR? ASMR.
1: I don't know what it stands for. Like audio symmetry something.
0: I think I was combining combining that with, so it's ASMR. Yeah, I think so. With EMDR. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever done that? Yes. It's supposed to be amazing, is it? Mm-hmm. Really. Trauma release. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's pretty intense. Yeah. I haven't done a lot of it. And I have friends who have for specific traumas. Like yeah. Sexual trauma and otherwise, and I think it's been pretty intense mm-hmm. for them. because
1: you revisit the memory, I think,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. in the in a somatic way, like in the yeah. body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that? my ex does it a lot, as
1: in as a therapist.
0: Oh my god, I had a dream about you and no, him. Go on, holy shit! It's just coming back to me. I no. meant to tell you about this. Okay, the essence of it was in the dream you and he didn't know each other Mm. and okay in the dream you were both there but kind of separate and I was like Jeannie what about him and then I got lucid and I was aware that I was dreaming in the dream that's never happened to me and I was like whoa They've already dated. They know each other. This is a this is an old thing. Mm. It was so strange. That's so interesting. That recently? Since I've been here, because
1: two, three weekends ago, or two, three weekends ago, we ran a training together. Yeah, I Mm. knew that. I think, and like on the training, I was like, and I said to him, "I was like, I love you so much. I'm so glad you're in my life, but like, and I don't know what form you'll be in my life going forward." But I'm so glad he's still in my life like we needed to not talk for like a year I did anyway Mm -hmm. he probably did too what happened
0: for you in that time Hmm. it's a
1: good question I did a lot of healing relationship stuff Mm -hmm. because I think no part was old patterns and negative thought patterns but part was definitely real Mm -hmm. but I didn't I started to not feel safe with them Mm -hmm. not feel secure actually is the word Mm -hmm. and i definitely started to go into that pattern i remember one day we had a talk about it and i felt like we were having the same conversation that we'd had four times already kind of thing and i said to him this keeps happening what can we do so that this doesn't happen anymore and i'll never forget what he said he said i wish sometimes you give me the benefit of the doubt Mm. it's like he was like i just inherently don't trust men in a relationship you know it's like you're gonna hurt me so I might as well just be be able to predict it but I don't want to be that way so I still fall in love and still want the niceness but then I'm on the alert kind of Hmm. so I don't think he did anything that I didn't know about or anything like that but I started to not feel safe and then to feel like that in a poly relationship is like right extra even more Hmm. so I think I definitely started to develop more secure attachments both friendships relationships Claude has been huge helping with that because you know you have to be with another person to be in a relationship even if it's not romantic yeah and I think I, I also stepped back and kind of got over that my partner has to be everything mm. to me thing and I think he on paper was the the bit that I thought was missing for my dreams of the future And I was kind of letting him fill that hole as opposed to, hang on, I can do this myself. Mm. And then have someone else that can be a part of it, 100% beautiful. Mm. But I think when we broke up, I didn't just grieve him as a human. I grieved like, oh, we had this dream together. And we had, you know, Mm. this idea. He had a similar idea to me and still does. And actually he's seeing someone new now who's absolutely beautiful. And they're pregnant, which I'm so happy for them. Oh, chills. Do you want to have a baby? I don't think so. If I tune into it every now and again. I feel like that's not where my work is, mm. you know? And obviously I'm open to that changing. But also, I don't think I ever, like I love kids. If you see me, you'd be, if you saw me with kids, you'd be like, oh my God, she's going to be a great mom or she must really want kids. Mm. But I don't feel like, and it's, it's sometimes I'm like, is it selfish? But I'm like, I just don't feel like that would suit how I work in the world do you know what I mean and how I feel like I'm here to do stuff for others you know mm. well I love holding space for pregnant people for parents you know love yeah. playing with kids love helping my sister mm-hmm. but
0: yeah you know what's interesting you know how some people say that You know, you can't fully guide someone unless you've had the experience yourself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's so not true. I feel like you not having kids gives you a unique perspective around guiding people with kids or pregnant people or through a postpartum experience because of not having kids in the same way that, you know, I've been single a lot of my life Mm -hmm. and my coaching clients would come to me with a lot of like marriage relationship issues or be like, Hey, can my partner come into a coaching session or whatever? And I'd coach them both. And it was almost like my singleness or my standards as a single person was like the perspective that they needed for Mm -hmm. their relationship. And it wasn't like, Oh, Casey, you just don't understand. You don't get it. And I'm like, whether, I was in a relationship or not. Here are the flags I see. Yeah, yeah. And, and here's where it seems like there's some settling happening. What do you really From want? An impartial perspective Yeah. As well. Then exactly. as well, you know. I'm not projecting my own relationship shit exactly. onto that person. You're not projecting your own motherhood stuff. Yes. You're you're more of a clear channel
1: yeah. to guide and support. And I'm sure you're the same in coaching. Like when I teach, it's like I'm not telling you what to do, I'm helping you tune into your inner world. Yeah. So, like, obviously, it's helpful that I've studied pregnancy and birth and chat Mm -hmm. to moms all of the time chat to parents all of the time because otherwise it's like oh she just pushed the baby out that's grand you know Like,
0: (laughs) what's kind of (laughs) ironic about that comment at this time right now is like obviously my whole thing is around letting your body lead it's Mm -hmm. about guiding people back into their own sovereignty right like i'm not i'm not telling you what to do i'm helping you come to your own wisdom like obviously that's a big part of what i give a shit about in the world And it's just ironic because yesterday, I, in both my client sessions, really like allowed myself to unleash what I see Mm. and give advice. And it felt like the most empowered, natural, most beneficial thing for the people that I was serving, for the one-on-one clients especially. And it really helped me to question whether I'm playing small in Mm -hmm. my leadership through coaching people to come to their own conclusions versus helping to activate them and fast track them on a path you know and so it's led to in my journal this morning I was actually like journaling about a new not taking away my old offers that are really about coaching and self-sovereignty and I think I think what I'm realizing is that that outer authority. And like you and I both are mental projectors in Mm -hmm. human design. So we're literally here to be an outer authority for other people because of how we think. And I realized that it's the timing of that, that matters. So I think I have this little theory that because I do so much of helping people come back to their own sovereignty first and ground into that, that once they're connected with their inner wisdom, My advice is just giving them something to respond to. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I mostly serve generators and manifesting generators according to human design. So they need something to respond to. Mm -hmm. So if I were like, here's what I see and here's what I think you should do. How does that land with you? It could be the exact wisdom that they need to actually find their truth within it, you know? And so I've just been contemplating how I think like ethical advice giving in a highly conscious way is a missing piece of the puzzle in the coaching sphere it's really interesting and i think if it was this is what you have to do
1: no excuses yeah do it that can be dangerous as opposed to you're in your sovereignty so are they this is what i see this is what i can see happening next how does that feel for you Mm -hmm. that's a very different form of advice giving that's true there's a check-in at the end yes exactly Mm -hmm. because So many people are like, this is the way I did it. And now everyone has to do it this way. Yeah. And you need to pay me money to do it this way.
0: (laughs) What's interesting is I only give advice that's like kind of customized to exactly what's showing up for them. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'll give advice based on what I know about their energy and their chart and their, so it's funny because like the advice is directly connected back to them trusting themselves Mm -hmm. and their vision. And it's like- I think you should stop questioning yourself with this big vision and allow yourself to do X and Y and Z, because that's what your energy wants Mm -hmm. to hold and not limit yourself by some perspective that you need to niche. You know, like that, that's a totally different, that's just like me giving advice to follow their own intuition or not.
1: That's a really good point because again, If they're in their sovereignty and you say something that doesn't land, they'll feel that in their body and they know how to respond to it.
0: Oh, and and I think the best part about the best part about it for me is I am literally not attached. Yeah. And I'm not triggered Mm. if someone else is triggered by what I say, because that's information for them to get closer to the truth. You know, I'm so tired of trigger warnings. Yeah, Mm. I heard. So we did this on
1: the psychology course. Because we were talking about how, okay, here are all the tools you can use to keep your students and people you work with safe. And we learned lots about trauma and all of these things, but also about how it can be toxic for a lot of people to wrap everyone up in cotton wool. Mm -hmm. And Stephen was talking on it about um, a a study that they did where they wrote the same article and showed it to two different groups. And one had a trigger warning at the start and one didn't. And then they asked them to respond to how traumatic they felt the article was. And of course, the people with the trigger warning rated it way more traumatic than the people without. Wow. So that's science, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's really important to not like start hey guys just popping on here to talk to you about pregnancy loss and all you know like to, and to just to like eh, talk about dead babies <laughs> but also not be like everyone just stay where you are and wrapped up safe and warm and don't risk anything and stay in your comfort zone and i'm just gonna pander around to everyone, you know like that's a very different mm-hmm. energy i think
0: i think that's a problem with woke culture yes is it actually promotes victim consciousness yeah and conflict and it's so hard separation Separation.
1: Fuck that shit. It's all about unity. But all of these things are so nuanced, aren't they? Because like and obviously that's a huge term, woke culture. I have recently been around a few people who are of an older generation to me, and they were like, Oh, all this woke culture and they dems and all these things, you know, and that was pure maybe lack of education and awareness, and it was coming from a really
0: unconscious
1: contracted place as opposed to you know yeah totally and I see it in Ireland a lot because someone asked me recently what's Ireland like as a country and I was like oh we used to be super conservative and we've gone really liberal now Mm -hmm. and I I think I just said a comment like sometimes I wonder too quickly too too much too soon and they were like what do you mean by that and I was like I just remember like a few years ago So abortion was still illegal in Ireland, only up until, I think, 2018. And when we voted whether we wanted to make it legal or not, and obviously there was huge, what's the word, campaigns and things and people picking sides. And someone said to me, oh, I assume you were, you know, for abortion. And I was like, I am pro-choice. I said, but no one is talking about the when is it going to be up to how is it going to be done? Are there going to be any restrictions? I was like, you know, can we talk about that? And I was just kind of making that point. And they were like, oh, I assumed you'd be voting yes. And I was like, yeah, but it's not a yes or no. It's a what happens in the middle. Yeah. And I just didn't get that point of like, Yeah, you don't, just because I'm young, <laughs> I was younger at the time, I'm not going to be yes to everything mm-hmm. new that's being proposed. I'm going to actually question it and make decisions. And, and it's those in between spaces that i think often aren't facilitated where people are petrified to say stuff because they might get it wrong yeah or they don't have a space where they can talk about it because someone like you were saying a minute ago is so attached to themselves being right that they want to change the mind of the other person yeah instead of like let's just talk about it and see yeah where we lie you don't have to make up your mind until you go to vote or you know
0: yeah yeah i think that's a really good example of a difference in a level of consciousness mm-hmm. you know like obviously I think our consciousness is elevating, mm-hmm. you know. but I think like right and wrong, black and white, it's like at a lower level of consciousness, that is the perspective that's the lens through which people see life, you know yeah and as you evolve and you like grow, there is more nuance from those like higher states Mm -hmm. of awareness because you start to see things not as good or bad or right or wrong, but as all part of the same whole, you know, and there's like purpose to each of it. It's
1: like what you're saying with your giving advice. You're not just going to decide on a Monday, all of my clients I'm going to tell to go for it today. Yeah. And then tomorrow I'm going to tell them, pull back. You know, it's like, you're not just picking a place and staying there. Mm -hmm. And I know people do that. And I've done that before out of pure, convenience because you're overwhelmed by all of the thoughts and all True. Of the choices and maybe you've never actually learned what it's like to tune into nuance and to tune into how it's feeling in your body <clears throat> and to decide that like you might wake up on Tuesday and you feel like this but that could change by Tuesday afternoon yeah totally. you know and that you're allowed change yeah I think. and and this is you do see it so much in more developed <laughs> countries <laughs> It didn't pick up on my tone there, where it's like, are you Democrat or Republican? Are you, you know, educated or not? Are you wealthy or not? You know, that it's this huge binary of you fit into this category, you need to stay there now and there's no room for change or movement, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting, just like hearing you speak of that, is like there's a difference between it has to be this way or that way for all people. Mm -hmm. And like, that's a no for me, you know? Like the difference is I connect with the nuance in my body and tune into the truth. And sometimes that there's a strong truth that's a yes Mm -hmm. and a strong truth that's a no, or there's a strong inner sense of what's for me, ethically right, but that doesn't mean that it, that's true for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Oh, embodiment. What a great superpower magic tool. Always with you. Yeah, it's so cheap and easy and accessible.
1: I always come back to your TED Talk. Like, it's just so, and I know that's kind of binary in a (laughs) way. Yeah. Oh, it works. Yeah. It just works, I think. And it's like, I really tune in to it when I notice that the mind is jumping on board and it's like, oh you should do that thing because it's a great opportunity and you know like no and actually I was thinking of it the other day because I was on this call it's about something was more about updating my website and um the guy who's doing the work for me was like you know you have a tab about your podcast on your website I think it should be on your home screen and then he said how's the podcast doing and I said oh like we haven't recorded in the last few months because my co-host is studying at the moment, just doesn't have the time. And he was like, how many listens? And I was telling him and he's like, oh my God, that's amazing. He's like, how did you do that? And I was like, honestly, with no effort in a sense that I'm sure if we put some effort into the promo of it or, you know.
0: Or maybe the fact that you haven't put effort into it is why it's successful well, because of the energetic lack of attachment d- to
1: I'm those sure, methods. For <laughs> sure, for sure, that's part of it. But he kind of asked me, oh... Cause he's running a workshop soon on like finding your voice in the wellness space. And I was like, the reason we did the podcast is because there was no yoga podcast that I enjoyed listening to. Mm-hmm. So it's like they were run by the yoga narcissist.
0: Yeah. Maybe.
1: <laughs> or they all seem so namaste. I'll just put down my green smoothie and let's talk about consciousness. And that's fine, but like I waver for talking consciousness like this. And I was like, there's no yoga podcast that I want to listen to that kind of, okay, I might learn something from them and I might find out about a new piece of research or something. Cool. But that's learning. There's no podcast that I, yoga podcast that I listen to for enjoyment. Yeah. And I was like, I have so much fun and I get so much joy and expansion from chatting to my friends about yoga. So why don't we just record that? Yeah. You know, and that's, I think why it's been so popular
0: yeah it's true and like if i don't know if i were to name (laughs) the oh namaste (laughs) welcome the the first one that you shared about like yeah let me sit down with my green smoothie and meditate and my life is perfect and i never do anything wrong and yeah exactly i feel like your podcast is way more effervescent Mm, i like Mm -hmm. that word yeah
1: bubbly Bubbly. and like half the time we're not talking about yoga (laughs) yeah but it's all yoga yoga is life yeah and like we were saying earlier if your if your yoga practice or your spiritual practice or your wellness practice isn't making you a nicer happier more enjoyable person and I don't mean to be around I mean as you as a whole then why are you doing it are you just taking the box you know it should be impacting your life in a beautiful way <clears throat> and it should be making you more authentic and finding your voice and able to tune into the body's wisdom and you know yeah and I think one of the best feedback we ever got was I love laughing and learning at the same time
0: oh that's like so film.
1: good yeah. and loads of people who don't like yoga listen to it or who don't do you know mm-hmm. and there's loads of people in that category who say they don't like yoga because they don't align with that my life is so perfect and serene and here I am floating in, hanging off a tree you know <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm on a swing I'm yeah. about to land like that's very dangerous to swing off a cliff my dear <laughs> look how expansive and joyous I am and it's like no I want to see you
1: feeling expansive and joyous when there's a war going on and you know mm-hmm. you're trying to get through your day-to-day grind and you know or whatever's going on for you
0: mm-hmm.
1: obviously marketing doesn't look so good on the website but <laughs> yeah,
0: but find something to in between mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah sure
0: mm-hmm. Mm.
1: food nourishment so good what do people who don't enjoy food do on (laughs) it seriously i actually don't understand i I often think about it like what do they think about what's in their mind like when they're not eating no like (laughs) those people are like i forget to eat or i'm not bothered about food okay
0: i've become that person a little bit interesting which i never ever imagined that i Mm -hmm. would You know, when I was a dietitian working in like private kind of a private clinic, these executives would come in and, yeah, constantly be like, oh, yeah, I didn't eat lunch or I forgot to eat or I went to bed without eating dinner. Oops. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm just like waiting for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and I I realized for me that part of my relationship with food was because like part of my constantly thinking about food then mm-hmm. was because I wasn't in alignment with my purpose. Interesting. And so food was like my only source of pleasure versus doing meaningful work that's so good and now I feel like I'm so lit up by everything that I'm doing that I will sometimes be like oh shit I haven't eaten but then I'll be like what do I want to eat Uh and it'll like kind of excite me that I'm hungry and that I'm ready for it and and I also feel I guess as someone who like came from having an eating disorder being like constantly thinking about food, hyper-focused on food, it's a nice reminder of like, wow, I really don't have food issues. Like it's so easy, you know, like for me, forgetting to eat is a very, or it could be a very normal occurrence every so often Mm -hmm. as a human to just like, like you're a human or like overeating. Mm -hmm. What a normal occurrence. Like I, hope that we overeat a little bit tonight you know like why not yeah no I've definitely used food in the
1: past as like to fill a hole like you said I'm not fulfilled or I'm not nourished in other areas of my life so this is my only pleasure my joy Mm -hmm. and I've definitely used food as a control of like punishment reward
0: Mm -hmm. all
1: that stuff but I definitely feel a bit more balanced with it now
0: Mm -hmm.
1: in the sense of like I'm so enjoying this I love how much you love food as well
0: mm-hmm. but
1: equally you know if I'm in the middle of something or doing something I often like you said feel nourished in so many ways I noticed this in the ashram actually and I think this is a lot to do with the prana like of the energy that you're getting from right. the yoga practice from the um, fire puja just mm-hmm. from being in the space and then it's like oh my god like you don't just get energy from food yeah you know and I'll say yeah. I'm not at all saying you replace food with chanting <laughs> you know
0: but but you do kind, kind of, of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but you do yeah. yeah i love that i don't know I just like to be nerdy about yoga for a minute <laughs> the kind of deeper practices and philosophies around yoga like mm. i remember the first time that we were in the ashram together <clears throat> learning about different ways to increase your personal prana Mm -hmm. or life force, right? Like the sun gives you prana food. That's nourishing and alive gives prana being in the presence of like enlightened masters. Yeah. Your environment. Yeah. Your environment,
1: the ocean, the woods, some people, it's the city, you know? Yeah. And you know what the one is your spiritual belief or your spiritual practice can give it to you. Say more about that. So My mom had amazing faith, but it represented itself in the Catholic Church, just because that's what we had in Ireland. But I knew she really disagreed with a lot of our practices, but I knew she still got solace from praying and going to mass and doing all these things. And at the time, I was definitely in my, if it's not science, I don't believe it kind of era. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, she's so stupid, you know, for believing in all of these things. They're not real. And similarly, I have a really amazing aunt who's deeply, deeply connected to the church as well. Has an altar in her house and prays every day and tells me how she prays for each and every one of us and people who are sick. And Beautiful. I was always like, when I was, you know, younger, oh, she's so weird, you know. Yeah. And I was really jealous of my mom's faith, actually, in a way. So I thought it was weird, but I was also jealous. I was like, I wish I had less rational knowledge that I believed in this too yeah and then slowly as I started to move out of science and more into yoga and more into spirituality I was like oh shit now I have an altar yeah (laughs) and now I take a moment to think of people who are unwell or who need my help and say prayers or intentions for them and I was like it's exactly the same that's what they were doing this thing I judged you know Mm -hmm. and it's like now maybe I feel sorry for people who don't have that and I feel really fortunate that I found it because it's not rational it's not something you can explain I don't think or I mean you can but each person has to experience it for themselves and I've heard students use different words like someone said to me before that practice felt really meaningful Mm. and I was like that's a really interesting word meaningful you know it felt like it was more than yes but it meant more than your average I'm going to move my body and breathe you know and I so I always come back to that word meaningful it's like that was her way of describing what was actually potentially a profound spirit or not maybe not profound a spiritual experience where she maybe felt connected to something more Mm -hmm. for the first time so I think it's different things for different people I think it's No, it represents itself as different things for different people. But it is, in in essence, a sense of unity. As I'm saying that now, I'm like, is that what I believe? Hmm. I find it really hard to talk about because I'm not. It's a feeling as opposed to, yeah, this is where you come in (laughs) with your amazing language.
0: Well, I don't know if I have the language yet, but I do have a question kind Mm -hmm. of brewing that's coming to me just given I don't know, given that my dad died this, yeah. this summer. And so like, that's my, it's my first like profound experience of loss. I mean, I really felt it when my grandpa Louis passed away, mm. his dad, that was the first cold forehead I kissed oh, was my yeah.
1: grandpa Louie. Same. That's one of my first memories of death is kissing a cold forehead.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I remember shoving, shoving, (laughs) shoving. Probably it wasn't that graceful, like note in his pocket, in his coffin and like almost like jumping in the coffin and giving my grandpa a hug. I was eight. God. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I'm for me being present for my dad's death was hands down the most spiritually awakening Mm. experience of my life so far and I've had a lot of spiritually awakening experiences Mm -hmm. and yeah I'm just like curious how I'm curious like in your timeline from like if it's not science it's not real Mm -hmm. to like Having a spiritual practice in your own altar. Yeah. Where in that process did you experience loss? And how did that impact your spiritual awareness? If it did at all, because that might be me projecting my own shit. No,
1: it did. And actually, really interesting. Like I was present when my mom passed as well. And that was super profound. I just didn't have the language or the tools to understand it at the time. But now, on reflection, you know, (laughs) because I was only 23. But I lost my first grandparent when I was seven or eight as well, I think. Mm -hmm. And then lost two more grandparents and then lost my mom by 23. So I had lost four very influential caregivers by the time I was 23. I just turned 23 when my mom passed away. And I was an immature 23 looking back emotionally, you know. And I was definitely overwhelmed a lot because I think I was very aware and just was fighting it. And I don't think because I wasn't that present when it happened in the sense that I was there, but I, I don't think I was able to be super present in my body when my mom passed away. But I definitely remember the exact moment where she was no longer my mom, where like I didn't see her soul leaving her body, but like she went from being my mom to not my mom, just at ab- body you know wow. so again I don't think I had the words or the tools to kind of understand that at the time but looking back now I totally remember that
0: can you slow that down yeah slow that down mm. like the moment where you noticed that your mom had shifted yeah like what else can you say about that
1: I remember being fascinated because her brother my mom's brother is a geriatric nurse and he'd been nursing her at home and i remember him coming into the kitchen and myself and my sister and brother were there and he said get into the room now mm-hmm. and we were like yeah we'll be there in a minute and he said no now mm-hmm. so he knew she was about to go like we knew she was dying we knew it was going to be over the next day or two but we didn't know when whereas he knew because he'd been with so many bodies who were passing and i remember being fascinated at that that how did he know and i'm sure there's medical science but i also feel like there's intuition there of like yeah the the soul is literally departing the body and i i know different philosophies have different theories about when the soul leaves and and all of these things but i feel like my mom's went went somewhere wherever it went it went quickly like it was almost
0: instantaneous
1: Hmm. but i've forgotten your question what was your question
0: just about how that influenced you spiritually oh yeah Oh, and I asked you to kind of slow down that moment where you witnessed your mom change.
1: Yeah, and I remember I think that was the moment the first time I felt really scared actually Mm -hmm. because she was no longer my mom. Whereas like we knew she was going to pass but she was still there. Whereas it felt like she was no longer there. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, I think scared was the feeling Mm -hmm. of like, oh shit, she's gone. This is real. This is Mm -hmm. happening. But I feel like that's definitely influenced me in the sense of, one, life is too short, stop doing all of the things people tell you to do, because you Mm can go at any moment. And I don't think my mom had many regrets, but we got lots of time to talk to her, but she was definitely like, live your lives kind of stuff, which i think after that i started to realize actually i'm not living my life i'm doing all of these things that i thought i had to do to be a good girl and a good member of society and you know whereas like i actually don't want to do any of these things at all and i think naturally following your path will help you they're they're so interlinked to your spirituality and that yeah. and i think there was so much stuff that i was not dealing with because i used to get overwhelmed like my mom often said that like if new people came to the house I would get so overwhelmed I would just run to a corner and just put my head against the wall you know it was like I feel like it was like I was so sensitive to all these new energies that I was like can't cope can't compute I don't have the skills as a six year old child to deal with this kind of thing and sometimes I get I get a little bit like that I present as an extrovert for sure but it's like I can get overwhelmed if there's too many people or I feel like how do I describe it? I don't want to say negative energy or bad energy, but you know, like mm-hmm. shit that people are
0: when you're picking up on some yeah. incongruent.
1: Yes, not expansive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, constrictive. Mm-hmm. But so I think around that time as well, I was like, okay, life actually isn't very cool right now, mm-hmm. and I have a load of stuff that I, I don't. Again, I didn't have the understanding, mm-hmm. and actually, this is really interesting because this has come up in the last week. I remember my mom's friend ringing me a few weeks after she died and she was like, would you think of going to see a therapist? And I was like, what for? Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, that's how I, in my head a therapist was for someone who was like a drug addict or someone with like unmedicated schizophrenia or, you know, that like, and she was <laughs> like, and I'll never forget where word. She said, your mom just died. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Maybe we should talk to someone about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and this came up recently because I was running a rest workshop and someone asked, does there have to be something wrong with you to come to this? And that mm. made me so sad. I was like, because I think I definitely tuned into that part to me as well. It was like, oh, well, I'm fine. I'm a functioning member of society. I'm not, you know, drinking alcohol every day. And, you know, but like there's so many other unhealthy things that I was doing. And yeah, so I think, that really made me realize that yeah you don't there's nothing wrong with you and also what more valid reason to go to a therapist than your mom has just died oh my god and I think from years of therapy and years of always being drawn to moving my body naturally mm. the spirituality element came and I think it's kind of exhausting knowing everything scientifically not that I know everything scientific yeah but like you, I definitely got to this point I remember it specifically in about halfway through third year in university of studying chemistry where I was like I don't want to learn anymore I was like I get it like I get it this is not like <laughs> I know chemistry now no I don't but like this is how atoms move this is how fascinating it is and actually the more you study that you're like this is way too intelligent and divine to yeah. be like to be to not be magic or a miracle or whatever words you want to use you know Mm -hmm. so interestingly I think discovering science led me to spirituality and now when someone's like prove it I'm like yeah I really it's so true for me I'm gonna offer it to you if it feels true for you great if not I'll signpost you somewhere else you know yeah it's like do we have to prove everything Mm -hmm. it's exhausting
0: yeah
1: yeah Wow, sort of ramble.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I noticed naturally, and still maybe yeah a little shift in your energy talking about your mom, which makes perfect sense. And I'm just like curious how you're feeling in your body. Yeah, it's it's so
1: interesting, and I think I'm conscious of not upsetting you as well, and I'm sure it's so fresh for you with your dad. And it's like fourteen or fifteen years and it's like days and weeks go by not that I don't think about her but it's like life is great and everything's fine and then you get these moments randomly where you're not even expecting it or thinking about it where you're just like oh shit yeah that was really tough Mm -hmm. that was really hard and yeah my sister and I were talking about this today you miss her at the most random times yeah (laughs) you know not the birthdays and the Christmas or whatever because you kind of prepared to expect to miss them then Mm -hmm. but it's like yeah the word that keeps coming up this is so interesting because I've done so much work around this and I have never thought about this word before this is your gift is scared how scared I was Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so interesting
0: yeah and I'm almost sensing from you like little genie and genie in her 30s yeah and like a future genie like grandma (laughs) genie yeah (laughs) Yeah. right now like it it almost feels like the emotion yeah is like a heart-centered care and compassion for that scared 23 year old yeah you know like there's actually
1: felt like nine year old you know or like exactly that person who is because I noticed this with kids, actually, you get to that point, it can be different for every kid, where it's like, you're no longer a baby, but you want to be a baby at times, you want to yeah. be babied, but you're also old enough to know better and to, yeah. you know, and so I definitely felt like I was caught in that kind of, oh shit, I need to be a pseudo parent to my younger brother mm-hmm. and run a household, Yeah, but I'm also only 23, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah with mean, so much support you're we so lucky mm-hmm. but still
0: yeah 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 mm. <laughs> I love you I love you too thank you you're mm-hmm. always
1: what words did you use the other day or earlier I don't know the word I want to use is penetrating but not in a negative way mm. it's like get rid of all this shit boom what's mm-hmm. going on in
0: there you know mm-hmm. yeah 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 mm. And I appreciate you thinking of me Ooh. and the possibility of your experience. It's weird. I'm finding I have a weird relationship with the word grief. Ooh. It's like it's like grief is kind of like a catch-all phrase for really? what I should be calling this thing that I'm experiencing after my dad yeah. has died. And yet it feels like a bit of a cop-out word for me you know it's like is it grief or is it yearning or longing Mm -hmm. or Or sadness or anger or like it feels like grief sort of catches all these nuanced words anyway that's my yeah. obsession with language and like the, no, I think the frequency of it and I like language is what we use to validate each other's experiences mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. just like whether it should be that way or not like of, of course there's a hug and a deep breath that has mm-hmm. meaning too but anyway the point of it is for for the sake of I'm going to use the word grief yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like thanks for being mindful of how you sharing your experience might trigger my grief yeah and that that's been an experience that I've had in relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. I've been talking to lots of people who've lost parents and there's a consciousness and people who haven't mm-hmm. who are sharing about something that's hard for them. And they're sort of like, Oh, but sorry, like, I know you just lost your dad. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because I I'm not feeling that I haven't this whole mm-hmm. time. Whereas you know like i know my mom is really sensitive okay. to what what others are saying about their lives or about and and kind of judging it as mm-hmm. oh that's so little compared to losing your husband you know like yeah. almost like a comparison thing and and that makes perfect sense like i think that's a really normal response mm-hmm. but it's odd almost for me how easy is the word that's coming to me yeah and connecting And how grateful I am Mm. for, like, somehow still being able to, like, hold kind of a pure space, you know? And to, like, really, (laughs) like, in this context, to really, like, see you in that and to really, like, feel like I'm in you right now. I'm not in my own experience Mm -hmm. of my dad. Yeah. And... I'm just, like, feeling compassion for a scared 23-year-old who then had to take care of siblings and who, you know, like, whereas for me, when I just mentioned that, like, this was, like, one of the most profound spiritual experiences Mm -hmm. of my life, and I mean that in a... I'm gonna say an expansive way, yeah, expansive in all directions, right? Like that doesn't necessarily mean without tears or sadness. It's exp- it's like this whole big, unconditionally loving. Everything is in divine perfection. Uh-huh. For me, that's what that was, and I guess it just like also makes perfect sense that for you at 23, in a completely different circumstance with a completely different relationship with your mother. Mm-hmm. That like the word that keeps coming up is scared. Yeah, and it's so interesting. And it's your mother.
1: It's my mom. That's I different from her body. That's different
0: than it's different.
1: Yeah, definitely. And she was the primary caregiver and my secure caregiver, you know, for my life. And it's really interesting. And I absolutely am not comparing my dog to my mom, <laughs> but like I lost, but kind of, but I lost my dog to nearly two years ago, and I dealt with that so differently it mm-hmm. was like of course I was still sad but I also found that really super expansive because it was like I'm no longer not not that I'm no longer scared of death and I feel like if I lost a parent now of course I would deal with it differently and like yeah. what you were sharing is testament to your growth and the work yeah. you've done yeah but like when I knew I had to put my dog down I was like oh my god let's spend every minute together for the next few days And, you know, I'm so grateful that he was here, but it's his time to go now. And it was lovely in a way, myself, my sister, she came with me. And, you know, we both said at one stage it was almost like revisiting when mom was in hospital, and because we were much younger and more scared then. Whereas this was way more grounded and embodied and understanding that this is the cycle of life. And just because they're gone doesn't mean you can't, think of them fondly and move Mm -hmm. on and experience growth and expansion afterwards Mm -hmm. and I always laugh when I think about it because my niece who would have known him the dog all her life uh, was three at the time or actually two she hadn't turned three yet and my sister like looked up ways to explain and I was living next door to them so she literally saw the dog every day and it was like Gene and Eamon like that was Mm -hmm. there was no just Gene. it was like he was always with me and So my sister looked up ways to explain grief to children or to explain death rather to children and explained it to them in all these ways. And then I stayed in bed for about a day afterwards and the next day I got up and I was leaving the house and my niece saw me and she ran out to the the garden gate and she went Auntie Jean is Eamon still dead (laughs) (laughs) and so like my sister didn't want to go through the huge details of what was going to happen to his body and everything but she explained that it means he's no longer going to be here but to her in her two-year-old mind like oh, he's going away but maybe he's going to come back that dead meant something else (laughs) and I just said it just made me laugh so much at the sight, sight of life you know this new being on the earth <laughs> and I said to her I said yes darling I said dead means that like in this life they're not going to come back again and she went oh mommy said he's gone to Kevin and I was like no it's heaven <laughs> I think she almost understood it because her friend is Kevin <laughs> and I was just like oh my god here's this beautiful joy held with this let's use grief and I was like and the cycle of life you know and it's like and that wasn't a toxic positive pasting over the grief you know but it's just like I can be sad at this loss and actually my niece is called Annie after my mom do you know what I mean so it's like this lovely kind of whole cycle of things Mm -hmm. and I am absolutely not afraid of death yeah I mean I'm sure if the time comes for me I'll have the natural fears that everyone has but it's like I do know some people who still have all four grandparents, both parents. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not that I worry about them when when death comes, but it's like I do feel grateful in a way of the amount of growth that came from all of the loss I've had in my life. You know, yeah. and like loss doesn't have to be death either, as you know. It's like any challenge you go through it and you work through it. You know, yeah, you get bigger, mm-hmm. more expansive. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah 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 you said something earlier about how how like those moments where you think of your mom come weirdly randomly Mm. you know like I'm prepared for Christmas and I'm prepared I kind of like chuckled inside myself when you said that because I'm like I've had so many moments where I'm like I could have been prepared for that one like like (laughs) duh of course I'm gonna have like a grief attack at my friend's wedding when her dad is speaking, you know, like. but I think for me, I mean, I'll prepare for it more in the future, but in the first like few months, it was like our local community rodeo weekend was two weeks after my dad passed. And like my, my grandpa, the first cold forehead I kissed, My grandpa was the president of the rodeo and my dad was part of it. My whole family basically mm. runs it. It's and like, are you sharing that online? Yeah. Yeah. So any... It's like a Berglund event. Yeah. And, you know, and still I was sort of surprised. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm like, why am I surprised by the feelings that are coming up yeah. around this? Cause they're intense. They're so intense when yeah. they come and they come like pummeling. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, my friend's wedding, I just like, there were so many layers to it. There was like the, the grief part that I was really feeling and also like, you'd think I'd be prepared for, I don't know, being the only single person at the wedding, when when you've like desired partnership or whatever. What's true is there were two single people at the wedding, and the <laughs> other single person there is we're literally in his apartment right now. <laughs> in Barcelona, Spain. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and to your point about like joy and that grief being in the same yeah. space, it's like, it's literally because of the vulnerability of my own grief mm-hmm. at that wedding, that a deep connection was built with him. Yeah. He literally like noticed that I was gone mm-hmm. after the speeches, when everyone else was watching, you know, the couple mm-hmm. get married and their parents speak he was attuned to how my energy shifted Mm. and the emotions that were showing up in my face and that I had left and he came and found me. And like, we had like a moment where he just like held me in my tears, Mm. you know? And, and I think it's super ironic. Like it's super ironic. My last name is Berglund. It's Swedish. My dad wanted to travel to one place. And that was Sweden Mm. to like be in the land of his ancestors and he was terrified of flying mm. he was scared of flying I didn't know that so he, he never left he never traveled wow. he drove my mom and dad drove like and took a camper like they drive through North America but yeah. I don't know if he's ever crossed the pond wow. you know yeah and so here in my moment of grief I connect with a man who is 100 percent Swedish has a dad in Sweden mm-hmm. is a pilot who flies around the world it, there's like too many crazy ironic mm-hmm. things my my brother's having an experience of that right now that's like it's like his dream is coming true but in a way that's kind of like a a, a funny joke from above okay you know yeah yeah, yeah. like you can't make that shit up yeah. mm-hmm. in a way yeah and I don't know it's just fascinating to me so yeah. so yeah it's like I've been surprised by moments of grief in settings where afterward I'm like oh I should have predicted that Mm -hmm. like a couple months ago Eric and I went out to this little like tiny home in the country and we like drove out on a gravel road and there was like a fence and it was it was before I moved to the farm to live with my mom for Mm -hmm. a bit and it's like oh I should have predicted that driving down a gravel road and being in like cowboy country Mm -hmm. and seeing trees like I should have predicted that that would be a trigger for me feeling the loss of my dad Mm. and it just came out of nowhere you know and then there's the the spaces and places in between like Mm. getting a text from my brother randomly when we're walking down the street that he had a dream about dad that Mm. was like whoa I did too and then there's a wave like or hearing a song that that was played while he was Put in the ground um, yeah. will like take me to a place. And, and I just like, I'm not resonating with the, when people say to me like, oh, I'm so sorry, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel hard. And it doesn't feel like something for me to be sorry for. And it's a weird thing to declare out loud. Mm-hmm what i feel more than anything is like a deep reverence and on and gratitude for the broken openness of my heart mm. i have zero armor and for life and for life yeah for life yeah for life it's like it's like i am living and loving so fucking fully mm-hmm. in a way i never have before and all of my dreams are coming true and it's just like, it just is like, it's weird to say that like all your dreams come true in the wake of a parent's death. And that's true for me, mm-hmm. you know, and my siblings are having different experiences and that's perfect for them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
1: So what's coming through for me there is, do we need to be prepared? Like, you know, we were or sorry, we, we both shared, oh, you can predict Christmas is going to be. Yeah. Hard. It's like, let's... I don't need to be there yeah, because instead, I let's... know
0: how to meet myself and my body in those moments yeah. and have the most soft, gracious care and compassion. Yeah. And not only that, I also now have a man in my life who perfectly holds space for it in a way I've never mm-hmm. experienced before. So you're not having to do it for yourself. I'm not alone in yeah, it.
1: Beautiful. Like,
0: my my most int- those intense moments happen when I'm with Eric mm-hmm. and for whatever reason I have some of them on my own but usually I'm in conversation or mm-hmm. connection with him and it hits me and it's like he doesn't do anything or say anything mm-hmm. other outside of like hold this loving space mm-hmm. and if we're together he'll just like tuck my hair behind my ear cute. yeah you know and give me space mm-hmm. And I might talk it through or feel it through, but it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? And like to have gratitude for
1: that. Oh. You've come to this point where instead of trying to predict these tough emotions or these intense emotions coming at certain times, instead you can be like walking through life, knowing you've tools in the moment and support in the moment to actually deal with it. And I, I, I know what you mean about the sorry for your loss. The thing I hated most about my mom's funeral was the, you know.
0: The look on your face right now.
1: Oh, yeah, a little pouty face. Those poor girls, they lost their mom. As opposed to, what can I do to support you? Now, we had that as well. But it's like, when I go to funerals now or, or do any sort of, you know, ritual that people do around losing someone, it's like, I often tell them who I am because we just had hundreds of people that we had no idea who they were. And they were connected to my mom in so many different ways, we didn't know. And I would have loved to have been like, I worked with her in blah, 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 or, you know. Yes. So I often say, hi, I'm Jeannie. I'm Casey's friend, you know. Yeah, from yeah. Ireland. Yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> and I sometimes I will say, sorry for your loss. And the way Irish people grieve is quite interesting. Now, it's definitely changing, but there's an amazing personally I can't remember her first name I think it's Elizabeth Kubler-Ross have you ever heard of her she has a book called On Death and Dying yes it's half read on the side of my bed I'm gonna (laughs) tune into the other half soon but she was I think a Swedish or else from Switzerland or maybe neither
0: (laughs) she was from somewhere in Europe we'll fact
1: check she was a psychiatrist I think had a holiday home in Ireland and realized how this was years ago well Irish people dealt with grief so back in the day we would wake everybody in the house so it would be three or four days all the windows were open to let the soul leave the body wow everyone would come like drink have drinks or in the body tell stories we would have so the Irish word for crying is a equina and keening is like this you know kind of it's done in loads of indigenous cultures where you hire people to actually wail and cry to like grieve or help the body move on.
0: Wow. Um,
1: So that word Aquina comes from that, like from the keening, it's definitely changing. And like, I know so many people who have no actual, they only have their own lived experience of loss as opposed to openly seeing people Mm -hmm. grieving, crying, dealing with loss, you know, and think about it. Like when do we see a really healthy representation of loss in our day-to-day or in our lives mm-hmm. it's rare isn't it mm-hmm. yeah we just don't talk about it and we don't talk about it mm-hmm. yeah so this whole it must be so hard i'm so sorry it's like it's hard because we're like oh your dad died three days later you're back to work yeah and please continue as if nothing has happened mm-hmm. and we're maybe going to give you some support and ease off your workload but other than that mm-hmm. don't make a fuss you know so of course that's hard yeah as opposed to you work for yourself you've got tools and support I'm not saying it wasn't hard for you but you know and you've got space and time to actually be with every part of it Mm -hmm. like again not comparing him to a human but he was he was a huge support structure in my life my dog yeah
0: you guys were connected
1: yeah when he died I literally didn't get out of bed for two two or three days and then day four I was kind of like I didn't feel like I was over it but I was like this feels really good, just listened to my body, did what I needed, didn't try and be bright eyed and bushy tailed for anyone and I was like feeling like I can do more things now, you know, Mm -hmm. I can actually give away his stuff to dog charity, and I can, you know and everyone was like, God you're so good you know, you're so good and I like done this before (laughs) Yeah. and actually that was a huge part when he was passing away, he's like I know I'm going to, I'll be fine, I know I'm going to get through this, I've done it loads of times before in potentially not to compare things but more difficult situations I've got this Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. that's what life Mm -hmm. experience gives you Mm -hmm. you know and actually Mm -hmm. there's one more thing you're when you were sharing about this expansion again Christianity is huge in Ireland and it wouldn't be my spirituality of choice but I love some elements of it and so we would have learned a lot about Jesus when we were growing up and we often joke, myself and my sister and brother, that mom died so we could live, which was very much the story of Jesus. He sacrificed himself so that we could all live. And I was just like, and I said this to a friend Ananda recently, and he was like, that's not a joke. That's true. That feels true and to me. And I was like, that feels true sent? to me. You know, it's like, thank you. You
0: know, I feel I literally. Oh, what was that? eclipse there was like a full moon eclipse and fucking shit shows a I bunch it. of them <laughs> I mean, yeah I did this like ceremony with like 20,000 people online oh, that was pretty epic uh it was led by Sarah Jenks who's a ordained priestess okay. and has quite a big following online No, and she did some beautiful marketing for it and mm-hmm. I was like I want to do that Nice. and it was so beautiful actually I was I was like how is she going to manage the energy of 20,000 people <laughs> around the world and i don't know i i don't really have a comment on on mm-hmm. that i just had this like really basically the the ceremony was about death and rebirth mm-hmm. personal death and rebirth and there was a question at the end that she proposed that was basically like what needs to die in order for you to live into these new Mm -hmm. dreams. And I just like sat in meditation. She invited everyone to journal. I knew I didn't want to journal. I just sat there. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that kept coming to me was like, it already happened. Mm -hmm. Like my dad, like I'm living, I am living into Mm -hmm. it all Mm -hmm. in the wake of my dad's death. And I had, again, I was pummeled by emotion, Mm -hmm. again, call it grief in an umbrella. Actually what it was, was this like absolute reverence and awe and gratitude for that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like mixed with like, actually, I don't know. I think people struggle with like feeling guilty for feeling good or feeling guilty mm-hmm. for saying a certain thing. And it's only coming from a should. Yes. in me. It's not yeah. my voice. Mm-hmm. That's like, I feel guilty for saying that my life has expanded in the wake of my dad's death. Mm-hmm. I don't feel guilty. <laughs> I, I, that is not the feeling I feel. Yeah, you shouldn't. I feel on sure. and wonder and reverence and gratitude for the cycles of life. And I feel acceptance around death and I feel and I trust in my dad's soul's mm-hmm. path beyond his physical life. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I like every, I, I, most people I've talked to who've lost someone has like something that mm-hmm. makes them think of their parent or some way in which their parent comes to them, you cool. know, like butterflies or dragonflies yeah. or something. And, mm-hmm. And for me, it's like random flashing lights wherever I go when I'm in an intimate moment with myself or with one or two other people. And part of that's connected to like watching my dad leave as flashes of light in the room and watching it leave outside the room until the whole sky lit up. God, yeah. And then two weeks later at rodeo weekend, I saw that flash of light like 15 feet behind someone's head it was in reverse the sky was lighting up no lightning bolts but the sky was lighting up and i'm like oh a lightning storm and then it got closer and it was like right behind this person's head the same the same movement pattern it started in the center it went outward like a whoosh and then back to the center wow and ever since then like physical lights will flash it's like when i'm alone light is energy energy is our soul or you know yeah
1: it's just them moving
0: and, and even exactly. like, I don't know, I had this, Eric and I were in a taxi heading to his brother's place last week and that we were like stopped at a street corner and there was like a street light that was flashing and like a crisp Christmas lights that were flashing and whatever. And I was like, more flashing lights. And he said something like, yeah, it's a street, it's a flashing street light. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. A, and I'm like, I know. Mm -hmm. and I I just said to him I'm like it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter to me like yes there's these moments where the light the flash of the light is like way more mystical Uh versus obvious yeah you know it's like duh it's Christmas light (laughs) but your dad's memory still came in in
1: that moment of course that's the point
0: that's the point Mm -hmm. is the I am reminded I am gifted In every moment that I see a flashing light, Mm -hmm. and like I walk down there, are flashing lights freaking everywhere. (laughs) So, everywhere, all the time, I am gifted with these moments Mm -hmm. of devotion Mm -hmm. to my own fucking life. And like, what a gift! Such a gift, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Mm. Do you know when you said death and rebirth? Like, I'm fascinated by birth and fascinated by death because I feel like they're the same process. And they can be equally challenging and mystical and energetic Mm -hmm. for people. And I've been really fortunate to have seen a birth two and a half years ago. And like, this is why I love anything to do with birth. It's like you're literally witnessing a new life coming into the world. Mm -hmm. They're still part of the mother for sure, but it's a new life. And I, I remember chatting to someone who was a Native American and they said in their tribe anyway, I don't know if this is for everyone, but usually the birth doula and the death doula are either the same person or their partners or sisters or brothers or, you mm. know, they're from the same family and that's their role is that they're like a Sherpa of souls moving mm. yeah. in and out of this world. And, you know, you saw those flashing lights as your dad left. I felt something different. People, you know, recount stuff. I know in the Maori culture in New Zealand, a friend of mine shared that they kind of wake the body similar to in Ireland, and and then like someone like one of the leaders in the tribe will say when the soul has left, so mm. everyone stays around until the soul has left. You know, because yeah. Yeah. coming back to pran, it's all energy. It's just all yeah. pran. Prana means the first unit of prana. So like everything is made up of this unit you know in science we call them atoms let's say maybe not as specifically a direct correlation Mm -hmm. but the building blocks of life everything that's alive has prana according to the yogic Mm -hmm. scriptures
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that's just prana moving
0: Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's so beautiful what you said about in these like ancient tribes Mm -hmm. there's like an announcement of when the soul has left Mm -hmm. when my dad was dying like after the light happened Mm. after we watched this like light leave my dad just kept breathing in this rhythmic way forever like another couple hours like and we all knew that like that was interesting it's like he's not here Mm -hmm. and his body is finishing a process you know and um my brother left to like get a nurse or being like Like he's gone Mm -hmm. and they're like nope still breathing (laughs) and and like popped out Mm -hmm. and it was like okay you know and then we just like had more time and waited Mm -hmm. i actually like i put my head next to my dad's head on his pillow Mm -hmm. like i have a couple thoughts happening at once but there was something beautiful for me about knowing that his soul was gone Mm -hmm and seeing that his body still had a process to do. Interesting, yeah. Like, it was like reverence for the divinity of the body, even without a soul. Mm-hmm. The His body kept breathing oh in this holotropic, cyclic, in and out, tempoed mm-hmm. way. And his body was still warm. And I like put my head by the pillow and just like sang songs, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was funny what, you know, just what songs kind of came through me, like Somewhere Over the Rainbow and This Little Light of Mine and like little like mantras and I don't know, we just like waited Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, there were many moments where we thought he was taking his last breath And then that cyclic rhythm would return, and it was like, what the hell is happening right now? Like, yeah, there was like a level of beauty and reverence and spirituality, just watching his body finish. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, because there's still so much energy, you know, like the body is made of calories. I mean, the food body they call it in in yogic koshas you know it's Mm -hmm. the Uh, animal kosh kosh. yeah and it's like it just doesn't disappear it's a thing you know a beautiful thing a thing that works so well with your soul to give you all of this wisdom the food body the food body (laughs) to the food body (laughs) to the food food body (laughs) (laughs) Mm. oh beautiful
0: yeah what was his name jack jack john technically okay jack is what everybody called him jack yeah.
1: mm-hmm. your mom's name and she was actually honora but she hated that i think it's a beautiful name it's like hannah and nora i think her grandmother is wow Anne, but she hated honora so she was known as Anne or annie was that her middle name no okay. like han like han oh Anne, yeah so she was Annie to her friends, like A N N I E, like the musical. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and that's what my niece is called. My sister's little girl is mm-hmm.
0: Annie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what Jack are- and Annie? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just curious how you're living it up these days. Like In life? Yeah, like how are you living? What are you living into? What are you? How are you like allowing? the full expression of goddessness (laughs) to move through you in this physical form?
1: I wish I had a better answer for you in the sense that it was only through our chat a few weeks ago when we chatted on the phone. Well, I was definitely feeling it. And like you always do so giftedly, help put language on stuff for me and so many others, I'm sure. I was like, okay, this is weird. I'm doing all the things I've always wanted to do. I'm living this life that I've always wanted, yet I don't feel great. And I don't mean that I don't want all those things that I'm doing and and I'm happy with them, but it made me, I was starting to feel into it. I've had one of the busiest years and I don't, well, yeah, physically busy in that I've had lots on, but I don't think I realized until I stopped, which was a few weeks ago, how much creative juices I've put out into the world over the last few months. That actually now that I've stopped, I'm like, whoa, that was too much. And I'm definitely feeling like I need to refill the cup. And it's so funny because this is what I teach. <laughs> yeah. And I thought this happened a few years ago and I learned my lesson. And it happened a few years before that. And I learned my lesson. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm back here again. <laughs> and I had a chat with someone, we were talking about this recently, who experienced something similar. Like all of these things happened and they had like all of these things they've always wanted. And so they felt like being busy doing the things they've always wanted means that this must be a good thing, mm. you know? And I was I was thinking the day, I was like, whoa, when was the last time I had like a lot of spaciousness? I can't remember, you know? And I've had beautiful, expansive moments and I've had moments where I'm like, this is absolutely the path I'm supposed to be on and this is the work I'm supposed to be doing. But through loads of different reasons, a lot of stuff came together and I kind of ran with it because like the projector, there was loads of offers put on the table. But for sure, I'm feeling very much into the hibernation now of the next few months are for me to totally rest, recover. Mm-hmm. Recover is the word that's coming up. Not just replenish, like actually recover. And I feel like so much of the work that I did this year is is kind of like, um, it wasn't just for this year. It's for lots yeah. of future stuff. so. I feel kind of secure and settled in that, that there's way less of the creative work that needs to happen. And I was thinking today, day, I was like, I can't remember the last time, I think it was actually this time last year mm-hmm. that I did something beautiful and expansive for me that was nothing to do with work. Mm. And I love my job and I love what I do and it fills me up so much. But I think I've tipped over into the starting to get drained now so I was like the other day I think I'm going to take up crochet
0: <gasps>
1: just came to me I was like it's just it's something that I know I will enjoy doing I love kind of crafting stuff but I rarely give myself the time or have the time for it and I was like it's got nothing to do with the wellness world or I'm sure if I wanted to I could make it into a workshop but I will not be doing that <laughs> and I was like it's and there's a beautiful pub near my house that's like a yoga pub is what I call it which those two words don't really come together but it's a beautiful woman who's a big yogi and really into spirituality and she loves the pub culture in Ireland for the connection people chatting and so herself and her husband set up this beautiful space that like has lots of non-alcoholic drinks as well and what I love about it is that whenever I go in there there's always at least three generations and so Mm. and everyone shares tables and it's really cozy and the first Wednesday of every month, they have crochet night. Wow. Where you can just go and learn to do it. Or you can just sit there and chat to people. That's, so I'm that's like, amazing. What's my plan for the winter to crochet? Even that's... if it's just a circle. It's happening. <laughs> so I wish I could list all of the lovely things that I've been doing that have been expanding me. And there has been loads for sure. But I feel like, yeah, recovery, going inwards and actually tuning back into, yes, there's genie creating all these beautiful things in the world which i know i'm supposed to do but finding a more balanced way to do it and Mm. also living beautiful life
0: beauty yeah
1: yeah.
0: should we go walk up a
1: hill yeah sure (laughs) why not
0: (laughs) let's do it this is so lovely Mm. thank you such abundance Thank you so, so much for listening. Please check the show notes for information about how you can stay in contact with Jeannie and with me. And I'd love for you to integrate. What one thing did you receive from listening to this podcast episode? What insight or takeaway can you put into action or awareness in your life? It's one thing to listen to a podcast and receive information or be entertained. And it's another thing to actually integrate something that you received from that episode in your life. This is how we create transformation together. I can't wait to tune in with you in the next episode. Thank you so, so much for listening as always, and I'll chat with you very soon. Take care.